Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, some reassurance from the experts that being bad at Wordle is not a sign you're less smart than anyone else. Plus, the International Space Station is getting a film studio and sports arena. No word yet if Space Jam 3 will be shooting there. And how officials around the world have continued to successfully use sewage to predict COVID-19 outbreaks. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Earlier this month, I told you all about Wordle, the five-letter word game that generates a barrage of green and gray boxes on social media every morning. The fervor is beginning to die down, but it does seem like everyone is still talking about it, which can be frustrating for people that tried it out and don't feel like it's for them. On Tuesday, I shared with you a game called Wiki Trivia, a history game that challenges you to put events in order on a timeline, and I've seen a good number of folks saying that they like it better than Wordle because it interests them more or just functions more the way that their brain works. Jason Kotke was one of them, saying on Kotke.org earlier this week that Wiki Trivia is much more his speed than Wordle, which tracks with another link that he shared yesterday, an article titled, Being Bad at Wordle Doesn't Mean You're Dumb. And while the framing of the article is about Wordle, I found some of the information about how our brains interact with word games in general really fascinating. And yes, reassuring for days when I get pretty stumped on Wordle. Maura Homan spoke to a number of experts for the article, including psycholinguist Jerry Altman, who clarified the difference between an implicit knowledge of a language and an explicit or meta-knowledge, knowing about words and their structure. Altman said, quote, we tend to be worse at using explicit knowledge about language. For example, we're not very good at saying what the rules are that make one sentence grammatical and another ungrammatical, end quote. He gave an example of the order of months. Sure, we know the chronological order, but if someone asked you which month came after February, alphabetically, you'd have to think about it for a minute, unless it was something you had purposefully learned in the past and remembered. That kind of knowledge isn't as implicit. 
Altman says the implicit knowledge has a kind of priority in our brains. Homan further explains, quote, Simply put, intuiting the perfect word to fit in a sentence requires different knowledge of a language from thinking of a five-letter word starting with A and E as its fourth letter. As for the latter task, our existing knowledge of how a language works can sometimes get in the way. With a game like Wordle, you might focus on the most common letters or letter combinations, but doing so can make it harder to see it if the answer doesn't contain either. Mark Beeman, professor of psychology at Northwestern University, compared it to looking for a friend in a crowd who wears a blue jacket. It's going to be a lot harder to find them if they happen to wear a black jacket that day. Not impossible, but harder. And even once you realize your strategy isn't working, trying to force your mind to stop applying it is kind of like telling yourself not to imagine a white elephant, Beeman said. End quote. As someone who is horrible at recognizing faces and often depends on recognizing clothing, despite knowing how pointless that strategy is because people, unlike cartoon characters, change clothes most days, this comparison really resonates. Beeman also says something he calls fluency is at play. He describes this as the ability to come up with a bunch of different possibilities very quickly because you're just looking for something that fits, not the most creative option. And this fluency varies from person to person. Neuroscientist Bob Schaefer, who works with Lumosity, says it also comes down to visualization and spatial reasoning. He said, quote, you need to think about the spatial relationship between letters in a word. And at that point, you've broken it down to its pieces so much that you're probably leaning much more on spatial skills than language skills. You might find that you're really good at certain word games because those spatial reasoning skills are carrying your performance, end quote. And that might be one reason a lot of folks who aren't usually word people, more numbers people, are reporting really enjoying Wordle, while there are also a number of writers who have found it exceptionally frustrating. And I'll add to that visualization piece that the simplistic design of Wordle can make visualization tough. You can type in different letters as many times as you want before hitting enter to submit your guess, but you can't move the letters around. If you know that it starts with R and ends with T, you can't have the T on the board and try plugging in different letters before it. When I'm really stuck, that's something that I'd like to be able to do because it helps me to get the visual. And if you're the same, it could be one reason Wordle has proved too challenging or not very fun. One tip could be to use a scratch piece of paper or even some Scrabble tiles to help you move the letters around or, you know, type out guesses in your notes app. Another suggestion from Dr. Beeman is to take a break. Taking breaks is always helpful when problem solving because it gives your brain kind of time to rest, process, and then return, perhaps seeing things in a new light. Sometimes it can also help you encounter something in your environment that might, consciously or not, trigger the solution. Homan gives the example of being stuck on the word G blank blank S T. And then you get up to walk around, see a Halloween decoration, and finally realize the correct word was ghost. And this, I think, kind of relates to another point that Abhilasha Kumar, a postdoctoral student who wrote her dissertation on word games, kind of gets into. Sometimes it's less about intelligence and more about familiarity. If the correct answer to Wordle for the day is a word that you encounter a lot in your line of work, you might guess it more quickly. For example, last week or so, one of the words was shire. People who live in places where that word is actually in use might have guessed it more quickly. The same goes for Lord of the Rings fans. 
For the most part, I and many others actually didn't guess it even when we realized it could be correct because we assumed it couldn't be a word from the Lord of the Rings, forgetting, of course, that it's a real word outside of Tolkien. I also saw a friend mention that his teenage son was unfamiliar with the word entirely and thought it was a super weird choice for Wordle. Some days, you'll just get lucky that the correct answer is a word at the top of your mind for some reason. Other days, it might be a word you've barely heard before or haven't consciously encountered in a long time. Or you'll just get so stuck in your head that you forget all words in existence. That's okay. None of us have to be good at or care about Wordle at all. But if you're feeling a bit frustrated that it seemed like others were doing better than you, hopefully some of these points helped. And of course, don't forget that people might be selectively sharing only the days that they got particularly good scores. And if you're not great at Wordle, you're in good company. Actress Georgia Tennant recently shared a text exchange with her husband David Tennant from a day that he failed to correctly guess the Wordle of the day. He was so despondent, he described himself as, quote, living in a bubble of failure and self-recrimination, and he vowed that he would never spell again. Well, David, if you want to quit Wordle and spelling altogether, that's okay. But you don't have to live in a bubble of failure because of it. Maybe give Wiki Trivia a try. No spelling required. Eventually, Tom Cruise will go to space with director Doug Lyman to shoot the second movie ever shot in space. You may remember that a Russian crew sputniked us last fall by shooting part of their film The Challenge on the International Space Station before Tom Cruise could get up there. But those two film shoots will seemingly not be the last. Subsequent ones might become more routine and possibly quite a bit easier, too. It was announced today by Space Entertainment Enterprise, or SEE, the company co-producing the Cruise film, that they are planning to build a film studio in space. And not just a film studio, actually. A TV and film studio, plus a content studio, plus a sports arena. SEE is working with Axiom Space, the same company currently partnering with NASA to build an experimental space station that will be attached to the ISS in 2024, and then further build that out to become its own freestanding space vehicle in 2028. While Axiom's experimental space station is attached to the ISS, SEE's film studio and sports arena module will be attached as well. Quoting The Verge, Animated videos and images of SEE-1 on the company's website show the module as a giant white sphere, though there were no available designs of what the interior will look like. The module will belong to SEE, but it is being built by Axiom Space, and according to SEE's press release, it will be an inflatable module that will stretch up to 6 meters, or nearly 20 feet, in diameter. SEE says that it will allow third parties to also use the studio for their own projects. No costs or estimated budgets were provided for the project, nor did SEE detail how much it would charge others to use the studio. End quote. Probably a lot, though. Even just getting the Tom Cruise movie made is going to cost a lot, let alone building a whole film studio. Quoting again, SEE was co-founded by producers Elena and Dmitry Lesnevsky. Their company boasts an impressive list of consultants of former Viacom and HBO executives. The company says it's currently looking for investors on the Tom Cruise space project, which Deadline reported in 2020 would have a budget of at least 
$200 million. However, it's possible the budget could be even higher, given how much going to space costs. Just one seat on SpaceX's Crew Dragon is thought to run around $55 million. Plus, NASA charges additional fees for private astronauts using the space station's facilities while in orbit. SEE says it plans to conduct a fundraising round soon. End quote. They are making the right connections, though. In addition to building space stations, Axiom has contracted with NASA and SpaceX to buy rides for private individuals to the ISS. Quoting from The Hollywood Reporter, Plans for the module include hosting film, TV, music, and sports events, as well as artists, producers, and creatives who want to produce content in the low-orbit microgravity environment, while also enabling the development, production, recording, broadcasting, and live-streaming of content. SEE also intends to produce its own content and events in the module, as well as make them available to third parties, end quote. And as I said all that, I just had a realization. Logan Paul is going to go to space, isn't he? Like, there's going to be a TikTok house in space. Mr. Beast is going to give away tickets to the film studio in space. This whole thing is just making me think we are one step closer to influencers in space. And we had the billionaires, the actors are on their way, the rich influencers are just a step behind. Oh, man. As Mashable summed it up, quote, If this film studio does end up happening, it seems like it'll require a whole lot of time, money, and commitment. Besides, we've been enjoying space movies that haven't been filmed in space for decades now, and they've done just fine. End quote. Way back in summer of 2020, I covered the then-new strategy of tracking impending surges of COVID-19 by analyzing cities' wastewater. This is a technique that has continued in towns around the world throughout the pandemic. In fact, it proved so effective that the CDC set up a national wastewater surveillance system a few months later in the fall of 2020. The basic idea is that people who have contracted the coronavirus shed bits of it in their stool. And so by monitoring the levels of the virus in a given area's wastewater, you can get an idea of how much the virus is circulating before a lot of people might start having symptoms or becoming hospitalized or before the spread gets too out of hand. Because it's just slightly ahead of the curve, it can also give an indication of when an area is about to hit their peak and to start seeing cases decline. It's a similar and more well-tracked version of the Yankee Candle trend. That is, you can actually map COVID surges to the increase in Yankee Candle reviews complaining that the candles don't have a scent. It's pretty great, although jury's out on the actual accuracy. Those kinds of reviews might just peak every winter-slash-flu season, and we only noticed this year because people were looking for it. But the wastewater thing is real, and there are now some sites you can go to to keep track of it in your area. Uh, For the U.S., BioBot Analytics has a site that shows national, regional, and country levels of SARS-CoV-2 in sewage over time compared to cases per 100,000 people. It shows how here in the Northeast, the concentration of the virus in the wastewater started decreasing just before we hit our peak in cases. Some states and towns have their own sites set up where they're tracking and posting results. The Netherlands also has a dashboard where people can see their wastewater data. Links to those in the New York Times article in the show notes. The CDC is also planning to add the results from their national wastewater surveillance system for the whole country to their COVID data tracker in a few weeks. 
though the Times does note that there can be a bit of a lag between when the wastewater results would be most helpful and when they're posted publicly online, so us lay people might not get a ton of use out of them, but they're still pretty interesting to see. And the data remains most important for city officials, many of whom are successfully using it to determine which neighborhoods need extra resources at a given time, and others are using it to analyze which variant of COVID-19 is predominantly hitting different areas. Of course, those are best-case scenarios. There are a lot of places where the system hasn't been utilized effectively or not set up at all. Hopefully, that will change going forward, but where it is set up, it helps provide a little bit of a sense of what's to come, a privilege we haven't enjoyed in a long time. As Dr. Vincent Chiang, the chief medical officer at Boston Children's Hospital, said, quote, I love looking at the wastewater data, said no one prior to the COVID pandemic, but here we are, end quote. So M&M's announced today that their animated mascot characters are getting a makeover to bring them up to speed with the modern, dynamic, progressive world. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the sentiment, but I gotta say I did not notice a difference when I saw the image of the updated characters. It's mostly a change to their shoes. The two female M&M's, brown and green, are getting less sexy shoes. Brown's heels are lowered to a more sensible height, and Green's go-go boots have been turned into sneakers, and the anxious orange M&M's laces will now be tied. Groundbreaking stuff here. Going forward, they are going to be increasing imagery of M&M characters of all different shapes and sizes, making the red M&M be nicer to his peers, and overall focusing on the characters' personalities over their genders. CBS News notes that Eminem has gotten some flack over the years due to the sexualization of the green Eminem, so these changes are intentional to, quote, reflect her effortless confidence and empowerment as a strong female who is known for much more than her boots, end quote. Eminem is also seemingly hoping to pass the Bechdel test by having the two female Eminems spend more time together and support one another, though CBS News points out that some ads in the past have actually sparked fan theories that the green and brown Eminems are more than just friends. I love that. I've actually got an acquaintance who used to run a green Eminem fan account on Instagram. She doesn't really post anymore, but you can still peruse it for all kinds of amazing fan-created content about the green Eminem. Only some of it is creepy. Link to that in the show notes. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Hey Houston, Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Con's today and find out what invincible feels like.